You are listening to a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. This Sunday we are retelling the story of the Annunciation. It feels like we're getting closer to Christmas, doesn't it? It's the story of the angel Gabriel coming to Mary with news that she will be the one to bear the baby, who will grow up to become the son of the Most High, who will be given the throne of his ancestor David. So this is all part of our preparatory lead-up to the celebration of Christmas. But what I want to do tonight is reflect on the fact that this is actually one of two Annunciation stories in that first chapter of the Gospel according to Luke. That can often kind of evade our attention, but the more I thought about it this past week, the more significant it became. You see, in the section just prior to the story of the angel Gabriel coming to young Mary, We have the story of that same angel coming to Zechariah with news of an impending pregnancy and birth in his home. We're told that Zechariah is a priest, that he's married to Elizabeth, who is a descendant of Aaron, the brother of Moses. Luke is careful to note that, quote, both of them were righteous before God living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord, and yet they were without a child, and both were getting on in years. So there Zechariah stands in the inner sanctuary of the temple, offering incense to the glory of God, and he is confronted by an angel, literally, Angelos, which means in Greek, messenger. And Zechariah was terrified. Fear overwhelmed him. He could hardly stand up. Do not be afraid, the angel says to him, which is something angels seem always ready to say when they appear. And when the angel goes, then the angel goes on to say that Elizabeth is soon going to conceive a child who will grow up to be a powerful voice in the story of Israel. You'll name him John, Zechariah, and you'll be filled with joy and gladness. But, Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know that this is so? For I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. That seems not an unreasonable question for the aging man to ask. But then again, I'm an aging man. And maybe I'm beginning to think a bit more like Zechariah. You know, you've accepted some of the things that never came to be. You found a place and a rhythm of life. You've pretty much come to terms with the shape of your life in all of its ups and downs. How will I know this will be the case? I'm getting old. Elizabeth is getting on in years. Which is another way of saying that she's well past the age of childbearing. 
And for all that the appearance of an angel might be shocking, this suggestion of a pregnancy is beyond the pale. Ah, You can almost feel Gabriel bristle at Zechariah's kind of conservative self-protection. And he begins to speak. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. Oh, curiouser and curiouser things become. Presumably, Gabriel just vanishes because there's no more mention of him. But there are people outside in that sanctuary in prayer And when Zechariah emerges from the inner place, they can see that something has happened. He can't speak, but there's something about his countenance that's different. Quote, they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. That's how Luke puts it. And after his time at the temple has been completed and he heads home, sure enough, He and Elizabeth are able to become pregnant after all those years of naught. Now, Luke will revisit Zechariah a bit further into the first chapter. But before that comes the story we told this evening of Gabriel's visit to Mary. The angel comes to her while she is betrothed to Joseph. So, she's probably about 15 years of age. Betrothal was a very serious commitment. It was binding, yet the full marriage would not come until Joseph had put together a proper dowry and gained some financial stability with which he could support his family. So she's still at home with her parents, but she's as good as married. That's when Gabriel comes to her, and she is at first, quote, much perplexed. By the angel's arrival and greeting, he says to her, Greetings, favored one. And then, even more perplexed by his strange word that he shares about her having a baby. How can this be? she asks. Joseph and I aren't married yet. We've not consummated our relationship. What do you mean? Gabriel answers, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. Well, that's something for Mary to ponder, isn't it? And then Gabriel proceeds to tell her that her own kinswoman, Elizabeth, that's Zechariah's wife, is now six months pregnant. Even after all those years without children, she is soon going to be able to give birth. And Mary's reply to all of this news, famously, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Now, I am just so struck by the artful contrast between these two Annunciation stories. 
Zechariah the priest hears the word and says, How will I know that this is so? I'm an old man. My wife is getting on in years, which to me is another way of saying, What the heck are you talking about, Mr. Angel? Mary, on the other hand, asks her very simple question, How can this be? And it's asked from a place not of disbelief, but of honest searching and openness. The old man, Zechariah, is incredulous, most probably because he was well settled in his life. He'd made his peace with the things he regretted. But this young woman is authentically and honestly searching and open. Zechariah never gets the chance to reply to Gabriel's answer because he is struck mute for the duration of that pregnancy. On the other hand, in her exchange with Gabriel, Mary has the final word. Let it be with me according to your word. It is a foundational word of assent from a woman too young to entirely fathom what it will all mean. But in this strange story that Luke insists on telling, it is exactly what is needed. Here am I, servant of the Lord. Now, of course, old Zechariah, he's a servant of the Lord too. He toiled through his adult life as a priest at the temple, accepted how things in his life were to be, including that he and Elizabeth would never have a child. Who can blame him for his reply to the angel, which essentially said, I'm too old. I'm set in my ways, far too set in my ways to ever really consider what you're saying to me, Gabriel. I can't bear that disappointment at this stage of my life. I just can't. I understand Zechariah. I understand why it was hard for him to have his whole way of being in the world as a priest, a husband, a man, a member of his community, to have that all turned upside down. Or maybe it's more a case of him being hesitant to risk seeing it all turned upside down. He's made his peace with his life. He's done the best he could in all of those roles he's called to play. He's got things sorted out as ever they will be sorted. And now in this odd vision, the angel tells him that the thing he and Elizabeth had most longed for, and then it accepted would never happen, was about to happen. No, Gabriel, we're beyond that. We're beyond that in age and in courage and in the ability to really hear the message of an angel. But Mary, Mary at 15 years of age and without the status that would have come to a man, a priest, someone of Zechariah's age, she's open. She doesn't have any of that status in her world. She is simply in formation as a woman in a culture that saw women in very, very limited roles. But my, isn't she open. 
That's what Luke wants us to see, that extraordinary openness. She'll have to make sense of this with her beloved Joseph. She'll have to endure the gossip that will swirl all around Nazareth. And after that baby is born, she'll have some serious growing up to do. If you read the four Gospels, you'll see that there are moments when she's worried that her son Jesus has gotten lost. She's worried that he's fallen off track or perhaps even lost his mind. Ultimately, she will make her peace with her son, but she'll be there on the day that he dies. Yet in this moment, in this story, her hands are wide open, her heart is wide open, and anything is possible. Which is why it's important to tell this story, but also to recall it in relationship to Zechariah's story. Most days I would like to be like Mary was on that day, able to say simply, may it be done as you have said. And most days I think I'm probably more like Zechariah, faithful to be sure and measured and maybe just a little cautious of the ways in which the Spirit might blow in this 61-year-old self. Oh, I like that Zechariah was given a second chance. Or even, or maybe especially, in his nine months of silence. Because the time will come when that baby's born and he insists it's named John, and he will speak again, and he doesn't just speak, but he sings. The Benedictus, the song of Zechariah in the first chapter of Luke, he sings in response to that baby. And isn't that a lovely thing to remember in this Advent? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church and to access the full catalog of our podcasts going all the way back to 2006, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. In addition, if you are interested in supporting our online work, you can find information on the website using the Donate button located on the top right-hand corner. Thanks for listening.